Hello, and welcome to the Power Your Advice podcast, brought to you by Advisorpedia. In this series, we interview innovators from across the financial services industry to help you understand who they are, what they do, and why that matters to you and your clients. And now, please join your host, Doug Heikinen. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Retirement continues to be a focus among many who lead the financial services industry as an area that needs much more attention. Today, we've invited Scott Hawkins, the head of insurance research from Conning on the show, to discuss the opportunity and challenges we all face addressing this issue. Conning is a leading global investment management firm with a long history of serving the insurance industry. Conning supports institutional investors, including insurers and pension plans, with investment solutions, risk modeling software, and industry research. They have over $200 billion in global assets under management with investment centers in Asia, Europe, and North America. Welcome, Scott. Thanks, Doug. Glad to be here. So for our listeners who may not be familiar with Conning, can you give us a brief overview of who Conning is? Sure. You you did a a really brief introduction, but I'll sort of fill in some of the other details. So Conning, as you said, is a global insurance uh, asset manager. We started in 1912 in Hartford, Connecticut, which is still our North American office. Uh, As you said, we have offices in Asia, uh, the UK, and Europe. All of our clients are the insurance company general account uh, assets. So we do not manufacture separate account assets that you might find in a variable annuity. So what we're managing and focusing on are uh, fixed income securities, CLOs, uh, emerging market debt, real estate, all of which are uh, purchased and invested by uh, our insurance companies, both life annuity and PNC. We've been at it a long time. Like you said, we have just under $200 billion of assets under management, and we're always continuing to grow. It's a massive company. So what's your charge within it? Yeah. So one of the ways that Conning competes for insurance company assets is we have several uh, value-added differentiators, one of which is insurance research. Uh, For over 50 years, we've been providing uh, the uh, C-level executives of our insurance company clients with the, the type of research they need to understand what's driving profitability in their particular line of business. And we do cover all the statutory lines of business, as well as what's going on in the changing competitive landscape. Now, they use that information, that research to try and understand where they need to be positioning their companies going forward. I had a group of about 20 people that produce that research. Uh, We do about 100 publications a year, and we make it available to both our insurance company clients and and non-clients through what we refer to as the Conning Library, which has got all of our online research going back to the early 1990s. Uh, Our research focuses on helping uh, companies with their strategic and business planning, with sort of their longer-term thinking about key issues such as artificial intelligence or some of the issues we'll talk about today around restructuring or the SECURE Act, so they can figure out what they have to do internally and strategically to position their company. That's a lot of stuff. Um, But let's get into some of the major themes you're seeing. One is the restructuring of annuities. It's ongoing and it's raising some eyebrows as well. Oh, yeah. And it's also an issue uh, we've been following in insurance research since about 2011. In fact, I I wrote a study back then that was titled Retirement Income as a New Asset Class. And it started off looking at the idea that in uh, 2011, the first baby boomer turned 65. And if 
we baby boomers started to monetize all of our IRAs and 401k assets and wanted to buy annuities, that there simply wasn't enough capital in the market to support all that influx of, of new business coming into the insurance industry. So as a result, insurers would need to find some way to attract more capital and increase more capacity to handle what we saw then as, as this sort of looming retirement uh, wave. Since then, we've been following the emergence of companies such as Athene and Global Atlantic, uh, who have really pioneered these types of asset management or private equity-backed insurers and uh, been writing about them uh, pretty much nonstop with multiple series on that. Our overall view is that these uh, restructuring uh, companies are actually providing the solutions uh, we wrote about back in at the end of uh, the 2010s because they're bringing third-party capital to the market. They're allowing established annuity insurers to restructure their balance sheets. And as a result, that provides them with the capacity to um, go out and sell more product. You know, it's, it's interesting, as, as I was looking at um, the news today, uh, S&P had an article that in May alone, there were four transactions that totaled $61 billion of annuity liabilities being transferred to these types of companies uh, from, from uh, U.S. carriers. So this is a very large market, and it's totally reshaping the industry. Uh, it means that going forward, you know, these companies, as they start to uh, grow, and, and some of them are already doing it, they'll be expanding into new areas. And we see that with some of these transactions that they're already looking at variable annuities and universal life with second, secondary guarantees. Some of them are already active in the pension risk transfer market, as well as producing stable value investment products to go into um, those types of funds. So this has reshaped the industry. And we think overall, it's going to be a net positive going forward, given the opportunities that the annuity industry is facing. The Secure Act seems to be a treasure chest of opportunity. How do you see it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, our current big research theme that we're writing about with the passage of what's called Secure Act 2.0. You know, uh, the original Secure Act opened the door for in-plan annuities, and uh, Secure 2.0 has widened that. You know, when you look at the DC plan space, that's six to seven trillion dollars of of assets that are out there that are accumulating. Uh, some of those assets are going to have to be turned into retirement income over time. Traditionally, that's oftentimes done by people withdrawing from uh, their 401k and working with a financial advisor to de uh, develop a plan to sort of monetize that, different ways that the advisors could do it. With SECURE, though, we think there's going to be the very good opportunity for insurers to start to develop in-plan annuities, or what we actually refer to as in-plan guaranteed income solutions, because they may not be an annuity as in the classic sense. They could be a wrapper on a TDF as of, for instance. Now, we think that this is a great opportunity, but we don't think it's going to happen overnight. Uh, we think this will take some time because the infrastructure that's been built up to support DC plans, 401ks in particular, have not been focused on working with insurers per se, but rather working with mutual fund companies and advisors who who come from that, that uh, uh, area. That infrastructure is going to have to be built up. It's it will be built up, but it'll take a few years. At the same time, we think 
uh, product manufacturers uh, will be experimenting to find the right combination of guaranteed income solution and investment solution that appeals to plan members, plan sponsors, and advisors. Uh, once th those solutions are identified, we think as we've always seen with uh, financial products, they will be rapidly introduced and then we'll start to see the, the benefit of secure, but it'll, it'll take a few years. Education on the rapidly changing product landscape is not only important for advisors, but consumers as well. How can we do a better job in getting them the information they need? I think there's there's a couple of ways. One of of course is is by going out there and and actually trying to advertise this. You know, you see the things like the Alliance for Lifetime Income um, sponsoring the concerts. You see it in the press increasingly talking about how do you uh, actually manage the the assets that you manage to accumulate over a lifetime of working. I think it's also important for advisors to really. Uh, start to understand that as well. And certainly we see that happening. For consumers, you know, this is going to have to be a mass effort. And I think plan sponsors, and this is what I was referring to a bit of, of the infrastructure, plan sponsors have a really big role to play here because they can bring in advisors as well as educational material to their plan members to let them understand um, you know, exactly what it means to start saving a, in a guaranteed income asset and building that up over time and how that would work and complement their other asset allocation strategies so that when they hit retirement age, you know, they, they know what's coming out there. Uh, there was a big step forward, I, I think, when uh, the original SECURE Act put out on your 401k statement how much guaranteed income you were getting. That starts to raise a, a plan member awareness that ultimately th that uh, savings is there to generate your retirement income. Things like that, I think, will be the big benefit. What has the continued rising of inter interest rates created in your world? For us, you know, for the annuity industry, from the insurance side, uh, interest rates have been crucial in um, helping determine profitability. You know, we've went through since the financial crisis a long period of declining interest rates, and that really squeezed the uh, margins on fixed deferred annuities, uh, MIGAs, SPIAs, made them, uh, you know, a lower crediting rates, less attractive. So on the other hand, that encouraged the development of index annuities as well as uh, RILAs. Um, but now interest rates have started to, to strengthen again. And we see that in what we refer to as the portfolio yield for the insurer's general account. They've really started to increase and insurers are passing that along. We saw the benefit of that last year with higher crediting rates, which uh, led to a, a really strong, robust sale in MIGAs and deferred annuities. That's continuing this year. Our forecast, and we do a forecast uh, twice a year of where we think these will be heading over the next three years, is that uh, given the way uh, assets are structured, rolling off and being acquired, interest rates uh, will continue to be beneficial for the life annuity industry, which means those crediting rates are likely to remain uh, positive, maybe even continue to increase uh, over, over the uh, next couple of years. And again, that's, that bodes really well for the sale of, of MIGAs. AI is the topic of the day, and we could do a whole show on it. How's it going to affect your industry? It affects the industry a couple of ways. Uh, on the one hand, it's helping the insurance industry uh, streamline and automate a lot of its back office processing, which is helping drive some of the uh, processing costs down. Um, that's all to the good, but there's a couple of issues that insurers 
uh, have to face as they go through that. One is that the uh, transformation of their back office in technology terms it often has to be accompanied by a, a transformation in the way they process business because we're moving from a more manual intensive to one that's not. And that leads into a transformation of the workforce within the insurance industry. Uh, something we've been tracking is, of course, the fact that overall the percentage of of uh, workers who are in admin staff have has decreased over the last two decades, but the percentage that is represented by computer and mathematician skills have increased, and those skills are highly in demand by a lot of, of people, a lot of other industries. So the cost structure actually can go up for HR. Uh, they also, they meaning the insurers, are also having to deal with regulatory interests around AI. Uh, that's a topic that the NAIC has been uh, looking into. You know, they're looking for any uh, hidden biases that might be in these algorithms that are driving a lot of this business. Um, and it's a topic of, of concern that the, the regulators are looking at. For advisors and consumers, however, you know, this sort of changes the nature. If you're a consumer, you know, you're going to a, an insurer website, an annuity website, uh, you might be dealing with a chat bot or an automated intelligent uh um, bot that's, that's working to answer your questions. For the advisors, these tools are, I think, really going to be time savers. Um, it's going to enable them, especially those who are focused on the financial planning, to utilize these tools to deliver a more uh, uh, mass affluent uh, solution to a lot of the retirees who will be coming out that won't have you know, a few hundred thousand dollars uh, in, in accumulated assets to service their, their needs while at the same time freeing them up to focus on the higher net worth uh, client who, who does need that more personalized and more complex uh, retirement planning that only a, you know, a, a real life advisor can, can provide. Because these, these AIs are great, but you know, if you ask an AI a question of like, uh, should I buy this house or not? Or should I think about reallocating my portfolio this way or that way? That, that may become something that they're not able to, to answer. They could give you a sort of standard definition, but not give you that personalized advice that you can only get from an advisor. This next question kind of ties into the education question. Do advisors understand the opportunity in front of them in terms of retirement, decumulation, and protected products? From our perspective, they're just starting to really understand the decumulation aspect. I think the SECURE Act's opened up a, a lot of eyes for that. The fact that the largest uh, years of the baby boom generations, I think it was 57 through 59, are just hitting that 65 age range. So suddenly they're getting a lot of clients coming forward with questions about monetizing um, those retirement assets, more so perhaps than the say 10 years ago. Uh, that certainly made them aware of it. And you also see at least when I, I've been following the advisor uh, press, you know, now the discussion is, well, what's the best approach to, to recommending a decumulation strategy for your clients? So, so that's an awareness that's out there. Um, you know, the whole emergence of the senior market advisor that's roping in the decumulation with the Medicare planning and long-term care planning and even life insurance estate planning, you know, that's really seemed to be taking off the speech to this growing awareness that you've got a lot of people that need this advice. And at the same time, though, I think when you look at the generational cohorts, baby boomers were really the largest 
uh, in history. Gen Xers smaller, but you've got the millennials and Gen Zs that are just now into the workforce and will be the workforce over the next 20 or 30 years. They're as large, if not larger than the baby boom generation. So just from the traditional need of helping people understand and build wealth and accumulate wealth during their working time, there's still going to be a great need for that. Um, so I said, if I had to sum it all up, I would say the educational task and for an advisors just become more complicated, not less complicated, because they'll be dealing with four different generations with four different sets of needs. Amazing. How does conning fit into these equations? So conning, like I said, our, we, we are an institutional asset manager, and, and the research we produce is really aimed at institutions. So, you know, we are talking with insurance companies. We would talk with, you know, the advisory firm or the broker-dealer um, as far as providing them with information that would help them communicate, you know, what the market's like for the products, helping them understand what's going on in the market. Um, for advisors in particular, you know, one of the things we try to do is come on podcasts like this or in, in other interviews and talk about these changes so that the advisor's better understanding of the changes in the marketplace. Uh, recently, that's been a lot around the restructuring, but increasingly now on the whole retirement opportunity that's created by the SECURE Acts. That's how we're seeing our, our role being played out and helping advisors understand this, this ever dramatic and changing market. Last one for you. Are you bullish on the industry's ability to help consumers be successful given all the current variables? You know, by nature, I'm an optimist, which makes me bullish on just about everything. But I, I would say that I am also a realist. Uh, I am bullish on the opportunity for the advisory industry to continue to adapt to this changing environment, meet the needs of four generations of consumers out there and utilize these tools. I think, though, that this is... Uh, always an evolving process. It's not something that happens just overnight. I was talking about the Secure Act opportunity earlier as an example of that. So yeah, I'm always bullish on, on the financial services industry and on the advisory industry. Um, it's, it's served this nation and its consumers well, and I think it will continue to do that. And, you know, People always say in a lot of ways, insurance has always been sort of a sort of a state industry. Nothing really goes on. But having been a part of it for uh, almost four decades, I can say this industry is constantly evolving. And that's everything involved with it, uh, from the insurance companies to the consumers to the advisors servicing it. Scott, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. To learn more about conning, please visit conning.com. Please follow us for timely updates on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all at Advisorpedia. For everybody at Advisorpedia, our producer, Julia Smolin, and the Power Your Advice podcast team, this is Doug Heikeman. <laughs>